What's up, podcast listeners? Welcome to the next episode of the Racial Diversity Gaming Hour. I am your host, Glenn, the Commissioner Gordon. It's been an exciting week for gamers, uh, an exciting couple of weeks for gamers, actually. A lot's been going on, we're going to get to, and a lot to come. Um, but first, let me introduce to you the most racially diverse gaming cast on the internet today, beginning with Mr. KGB Gary. How are you, Gary? I'm pretty good. How about yourself, man? I'm pretty good. It's hot. It's hot outside. I'm in Florida. Where are you again? You're you're in the uh, Midwest somewhere, right? I'm in Utah. You're yeah. in Utah. Utah's awesome. But yeah, here it's just really hot. I'm trying to cope. Um, what have you been up to this week? Is it hot or is it just humid? It's a little bit of both. Florida's Florida's naturally humid because it's so tropical, but then it's also hot at the same time. Um, although I've lived here long enough that the humidity doesn't bother me. Um, the only time it really bothered me was when I went to Utah and it was like 90 degrees and I wasn't sweating. And then I came back here and it was, <laughs> I came back here and it was 75 degrees and it felt like I was in a sauna. It was ridiculous. So you've been to Utah before? I've been to Utah. I have seen what mountains look like. As, <laughs> And then, and then my college is in Tennessee, and they call these little ant hills mountains. It's ridiculous. Um, but what have you been up to this week, sir? Um, I have been working a lot mm-hmm. and watching some hockey playoffs. I'm, right now I'm watching uh, Russia against Finland in a gold medal game in the World Championships. Wait, which sport is this? The Russia. Hockey. Hockey, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um... <laughs> uh, we also have Ben. He's been missing for a little while, but Ben Sterling, our good friend here, he's back. Um, at least for one episode. I am back. He returns. And more Sterling than ever. More Sterling. <laughs> I like it. Um, what have you been up to this week, Mister Ben? Uh, not much, to be honest. Really, a bit boring week, to be honest. Uh, you. Me? Um, let's you see. Much? Yes, I've been looking for a job. Um, I'm here for the summer before uh-huh. one more, one final semester of college before I get my degree and become an officially certified mass communicator, apparently. And so I'm looking for a job for the summer, um, as well as playing games, um, which I'll probably talk about a little later. So uh, it's been... Well, good luck. Thank you. Thank you. I'm hoping to get employed as soon as possible because people are asking me for money. And in order to give them money, uh, I have to have money, um, which is what my job comes yeah. um, <laughs> Welcome, Ben. Curses. Yes, exactly. Um, last but certainly not least, a newcomer to the most racially diverse gaming cast on the internet today. Um, if you're a PlayStation fan, you may have heard him on our other podcast. PlayStation Unchained, he's the host there. Please welcome our muscles from Brussels, Mike Heritance. Welcome, Mike. How are you? <laughs> yes, it's Hello, Glenn. I'm good. That, that, I, still don't, I still say that nickname does not fit because you are not from Brussels. But I will... No, I'm not. I will, <laughs> I will pass... <laughs> but he's got the muscles as okay. if they were from Brussels. Okay. <laughs> All right. How are you? Well, perhaps he eats yeah. a lot of Brussels. That's that's possible. No. That's possible. <laughs> I don't trust me. You don't. <laughs> How's your week been, Mike? Um, it's been good, thanks, man. Um, 
busy at um, PSU, obviously. I'm full-time on PSU, so, you know, putting in the hours, um, playing games when I can, working out. So, yeah, I'm a pretty busy guy, actually, but I enjoy it. Um, it's good to be here at last. I've been saying I've, uh, that I'd come on uh, RDGH for a while now, and uh, for some reason it never worked out, but here I am. So, yeah, here looking he forward is. to it. <clears throat> here he is. Awesome, at last. Um okay. So let's get started, guys. A lot of stuff's been going on in the gaming world as of late. Um, <laughs> we ranted about some of it last week, but now, on a slightly more positive question mark note, um, a lot of news has been breaking about about Twitch lately. Um, YouTube has been working on a deal to purchase Twitch for a billion dollars. That's right, a billion dollars. I, I don't even know what a billion dollars looks like, but to me it sounds like a heck of a lot of money um, for YouTube, of all people, to be buying, of all people, of all companies, to be buying Twitch. Um, and, and this has received mixed reactions from gamers. Uh, a lot of people are pretty tired of uh, Google owning everything, <laughs> like as they seem to like to do. Um, on the other hand, some gamers feel like um, YouTube will offer a, a higher quality to Twitch that hasn't been present before, um, <laughs> and, and still other gamers think that they're just going to flood Twitch with ads, uh, because that's what YouTube does. Now, let me clarify something real quick. YouTube is buying this. Google owns YouTube, but YouTube is a sep is its own company as well, um, so to say that Google is buying YouTube is slightly less accurate than you would think. Um, but anyways, guys, YouTube own, is going to own Twitch, or YouTube is probably going to own Twitch. How do you feel about this? Um, I'm probably going to be... <laughs> Don't <laughs> I was going to say, I'm probably the least qualified person to ask about this, because I don't really follow Twitch very much, you know. I, I know what it... I think I know the name, and I know vaguely what it does, and that's about it, because <laughs> it's, um... I'm one of those guys um, who just doesn't really the whole social media stuff and uploading videos. I've never really been involved in that kind of thing, to be honest. So I think this will probably make very, very little impact in, on my life, in, sure. in just in general. So I'm not really sure what on earth I'm not. You know, I want to add something very intelligent and insightful to this, but I'm just like all I can muster is, eh. <laughs> well, if you're like <laughs> if you're like Mike, let me um, explain Twitch for you. Twitch is basically a video streaming service, but for games. Um, that's all Twitch uh -huh. is. That's all Twitch is for. It's for streaming games. So you go on Twitch and you can watch people play League of Legends. Some people like to watch people play games. Um, I yeah sometimes, but if you like to watch people play games, um, especially League of Legends. League of Legends is huge on Twitch. And the whole esports thing, uh, <laughs> I think that's an oxymoron if you ask me. But um, if you want to watch people play uh, video games, then Twitch is your place. Um, and recently, most recently, Twitch has been involved in bringing these services to the Xbox One and the PS4. Um, both of them, you can stream your console games onto the internet, onto Twitch. Um, and in Sony's case, on, on PlayStation's case, also onto Ustream, and this is kind of unprecedented for consoles. This is always something that has been reserved for, for the PC gaming space. So Twitch is huge. Twitch is number one in this area, and um, which is why it's so significant that Google is buying them. I think it would be less significant as Google if um, YouTube, excuse me, not Google, if YouTube was buying Ustream. Um, but no, Twitch is the number one company in this area. 
and YouTube is buying it for a billion dollars. Um, does that help at all? Yeah, it does. Um, it, it's, it's, it's funny because um, I actually watch a lot of games on YouTube, which is weird. It's, um, you know, I actually I do like watching people play games, especially when it comes to beat-em-ups and stuff like Tekken because you can find all sorts of like combos and stuff on there. And War Thunder as well, there's a lot of good strategy stuff on there. Actually, there's one guy um, on there. Um, oh, I think his, his um, screen name is Mighty Jingles or something. He does loads and loads of videos and stuff on YouTube, so I'm kind of surprised I haven't actually... Um, kind of like giving Twitch much attention because it is something I like to do now that you've explained it. So, I mean, if, if YouTube is buying it, then, you know, um, you know, I mean, it's, um, I mean, what's going to happen if they buy it? I mean, is it just going to be flooded with ads now or something? Or, I mean, I, I mean, I, I like watching games and stuff, you know, online and everything. So I, I probably will, I'll probably keep an eye on this, but you know, I don't really know. I'm not, I don't know much about this to think like, you know, well, what's it going to mean for Twitch kind of thing, you know, apart from Ben said just now ads and stuff like that. So I'm not really, I'm not really sure what to make of it at the moment, but yeah, I, but, um, you know, I, I wish I, well, I should have um, given it more attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should dude. Well, um, Twitch. You can, you can not only just stream games, but other people that are in the room, you can chat with them as well. So it's like, you're watching this thing together. So it's kind of awesome. Give it a try. Uh, sorry, Gary. Sweet. Also, a lot of people don't realize, well, don't seem to remember the fact that Twitch already has an ad system at the start of each stream anyway. So you're not yeah, really going to be seen. Exactly I, I still don't think there's going to be a huge amount of ads. I joke that ads everywhere, but I can see there won't be that much difference with ads. You might get maybe a couple more on the actual screen, but I can see there means I don't think it'll be a huge amount. Oh, I don't think you'll see much of a difference when it comes to advertisements. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gary, I think I cut you off by mistake, man. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I was just going to say exactly what Ben just said with the ads. Like, Twitch already has their own ads, but uh, I think a lot of people are just kind of... I don't know. I don't think it's such a big deal. I don't think it's going to change much for Twitch at all. I think the only problem that I can see happening is YouTube implementing their uh, censorships and all those kinds of things, you know, how they block people for certain things uh, for Twitch now. I think we talked about this like two weeks ago with the MP3 and all that stuff. Mm. I think they might start enforcing it even more now that YouTube is, is pretty much owns them. Well, I don't know, because the reason that uh, YouTube does that is because they get requests from companies to remove... Uh, or to censor the like if basically if you upload something that's copyrighted, YouTube's probably not going to bother you, um, unless the company that owns that content decides to complain to YouTube and ask them to take it down. In which case, they will take it down. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know of an instance when a game developer would be like, "Oh, they're streaming my game. You know, take it down right away." <laughs> Especially since it's not, especially since it's a live stream, it's not like YouTube in, in that um, you upload it and it stays on their servers. I mean, I, I guess you can archive some of them, but I, the main attraction of Twitch is really streaming. So I find it hard to believe that a game developer would be upset that uh, someone is streaming his game. Don't you think? Uh, and the only time a game developer would be a bit annoyed about people streaming a game is if. Say the the game arrives early, like a week early, or they get in early somehow, or if they're streaming like a beta, 
then they'll get a bit annoyed, I think. Yeah. But apart from that, I don't see any real issues for, you know, this. Um, yeah, I agree. And, and of course, that that's something that happens, unfortunately, quite a bit. Um, which is interesting to think of how YouTube could try to enforce that with, with um, games that haven't come out yet. I remember that happened with Infamous. Uh, because I was, I reviewed Infamous. I was thinking of um, streaming Infamous, and some people beat me to it, but ahead of the time they were allowed to do so, um, which I think just kind of was, ruins things for the uh, developers. Sorry, carry on. No, go ahead. I'm done. What I found frustrating about Infamous, at least, was the fact that I got mine actually a little bit early as well. Not as early as everyone else, but I got mine a day early because of Shot Two. Right. And. I wanted to stream. I know it's, uh, but I couldn't because if I'd streamed, I would have got my account banned. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but if I'm a legit consumer and a website sends me a couple, uh, a day early, they should, you know, if it wasn't for everyone streaming it like two weeks early, I wouldn't have been an issue. But they ruined it for everyone. Yeah, yeah, that's how that's how it works. It just takes a couple people to ruin it for everyone. Um. As for ads, though, I don't think I that... think it'll be... Sorry, go ahead, Gary. No, I was just going to say, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how much like, people are like really upset about this, right? It'll be interesting to see how many people jump to Ustream over Twitch now because of this. Yeah, I, I think that that would be a dumb idea. Um, <laughs> just because why? I mean, there's no reason yet to think that this is going to be. This is going to fail. I mean, at least give it a chance first. Um, especially since YouTube is such a big company, and the whole thing about ads, I think, is ridiculous because, like you said, Twitch has an ad thing already. Um, second, they uh, Twitch isn't big enough yet that it needs to increase its advertising. Uh, Twitch is very a uh, niche market. It's for it's for gamers, um, whereas YouTube is for absolutely everybody and anybody. So, of course, YouTube would have more expenses. It would need to advertise more to be able to pay for those expenses. Twitch, not so much. It doesn't need that many ads. And now with um, a company like YouTube behind it, remember, YouTube is buying it. YouTube's not absorbing it. So Twitch is probably still going to continue to run as Twitch. Um, And now with an extra billion dollars under its belt, it probably has, has to advertise even less now. You know, it's... I'm not worried about the advertising at all. I think that the biggest question mark with this deal is the quality control and uh, how YouTube might, how ownership by YouTube might change the way Twitch does business and the way it enforces uh, things and the way it interacts with its customers. Um, uh, I don't know. How do you do? You, do you guys think so? Um, I don't. Quite honestly, I don't see YouTube themselves forcing any sort of control on Twitch. I think they're just going to let them do what they're already doing. They yeah. just kind of, I think, want the revenue from it. This is all YouTube really cares about. Yeah. yeah. Personally, I don't see them I don't see them affecting Twitch. I think they're going to leave them the way they are, let them run the company the way they've been running it since they started it. So I don't see YouTube affecting yeah. them very much. Yeah. You know, gaming is... Yeah, hopefully that. Go ahead, Mike. No, I was just going to say... I was just going to say, hopefully, their um, Twitch will still have kind of like creative control over the, um, over, you know, what they do and stuff. And YouTube would just like, as Gary said, sit back and just taking the profits. Really, they'd be left alone to do what they want. That'd be nice, anyway. That would be. 
uh, gaming's growing, and we're seeing more and more companies wanting a piece of the pie when it comes to gaming. So that's good news for us. Um, let's move on really quickly. Um, so the Xbox One has recently gotten rid of its Connect. Well, not gotten rid of it, but they've. It, it's now not required for you to buy a Connect with the Xbox One, um, or it won't be. Uh, and that has created an SKU for the Xbox One at the same price point as the PS4, $399. Um, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, I think. And so now we're starting to see the results of that because GameStop has noted higher uh, interest in the Xbox One since the announcement of the price drop. Uh, that's right, more people are now interested in getting an Xbox One now that it's $100 cheaper. Imagine that. Um so surprise, surprise, <laughs> surprise! Is this is this even news, guys? Like, is, is this newsworthy? Uh, are you surprised? I'm not surprised in the least. And um, actually, I, this is quite a interesting story because um, I'm one of the uh, consumers, if you like, that would be more that weren't really interested in um, Xbox One prior to this. I was, I got no interest to connect, and I never have done. I doubt if I ever will do. And the the, pro, the fact that it came bundled with that did put me off and but now they've uh, given you the option of buying it without it i'm i find myself a lot i find myself more interested in xbox one i mean at the moment i'm not planning to buy it at the moment but from what i've heard if uh in terms of like what games are coming out in the future and combine that with the uh the lower price i'm much more likely to get one now and it's definitely uh to put it succinct, uh, succinctly it's definitely um got more attractive to me now i will definitely say that and the um I think it's a wise move on Microsoft's part because it definitely was a barrier. The price was a barrier for a lot of people and the people who went into the motion gaming as well. So they've removed that obstacle now. My only concern now is actually that it's kind of a double-edged sword because they trumpeted like Connect so much before. Like this is the Xbox, you know, one experience, better with Connect, all that kind of crap. And now it's like, now it's lost that. It's in a way, it's like it's lost some of its identity now and it's just like, another console and one that isn't as powerful as PS4. I know that sounds really stupid to say. I know that it's obviously a very powerful console. It's got some great games, but on the surface, it feels like they removed something that made it unique and differentiated it from PS4, if that makes any sense. I mean, Wii U has the gamepad. PS4 has, obviously, it's the most powerful console ever ever made. It's got um, the DualShock 3. It's got, you know, all all this kind of stuff. And the, the Xbox One had Kinect, you know. That was its kind of thing, one of its main selling points. So, it's like, you know, I don't think it's going to matter in the long run, I suppose. I think a lot more people are going to be interested in it. But it does make me think whether or not, you know, they pushed that so much and now it's gone now. It's like, you know, I just feel that they've lost kind of, a, almost lost the identity of it in a way. It's like, you know, I just can't see what they're going to focus on as much now. But I suppose they're just like, you know, champion the games and stuff like that. But I think Connect originally was, it was an integral part of their marketing and everything. But um, as I said, coming back to what I said, um, I'm definitely more interested in Xbox One now. So, yeah. Uh, sorry if I went on a bit there. <laughs> I had quite a lot to say on no, that. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, you know, it, I, I, I agree that it's a lot uh, more attractive to a lot of people. It's more affordable. Why would you pay $100 more for a less powerful console? doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. But now that it's on, on par with the PS4 and price point, it's just natural that... Um, more people would be interested. That's the whole point of a price drop. Um, yeah. Although I don't think it's lost its identity. I don't think Connect was its identity um, because people didn't like Connect. 
no one seems to care about Connect. I think it's identity that has to do... And this is where I think Xbox is going the wrong way. Um, I think its identity has more to do with its media features, the, the whole TV thing. Um, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, the multimedia thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, which I think is just bizarre, because it's supposed to be a video game console. Um, and, and, you know, or Xbox... <laughs> What's that? I just said, is it meant to be a games console? Because I'm pretty sure, my, well, obviously it is, but I think, I'm sure I remember that Microsoft, when it was originally announced, they were saying this is kind of an all-in-one thing. It's like a home, yeah. all-in-one home entertainment, by, um, to, entertainment device, hence the Xbox One, all-in-one. So but, but I yes. don't know, I mean, there, was something, there yes. was something like that with the PS3 as well, when it was first, the first couple of years, you know, people weren't sure what Sony were marketing it, marketing it as, like a games console or a multimedia device. So I think that can be applied to Xbox One, actually. That's that's the message I've got from Microsoft. Um, that's just my opinion. You know? I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe people don't, maybe people see through that and just take it as another games console. But the way they've sold it, from what I've seen, it's a, a very much a multimedia device because they really, really pushed that. The um, whole, sp- you know, the chat, the TV, and the I think they did a whole bunch of things on NHL and all that kind of stuff when it was first announced. Like, um, oh, I don't know, something like that, anyway. But yeah, it's certainly I think they're definitely um, pushing the multimedia features quite high. But I don't know, I could be completely wrong. But <clears> should <throat> it be? Because I mean, it doesn't matter what they market it as. If it's Xbox, no. it's if it's Xbox at this point, its target market is gamers. Okay. Yeah. No one's gonna look at Xbox and think, "Oh, TV." You know, you th- you say Xbox, you think video games. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think they're doing a, a disservice to their target audience by doing this. I mean, to tell the truth, if um, if the Xbox One did not do all of this extra TV stuff, it would probably be just as powerful and just as capable as the PS4, despite its lower hardware. It's probably a little stronger because it has to do all of this stuff at once. It has to run three operating systems. It has to uh, uh, manage all of this extra stuff that the PS4 just doesn't have to do. You know, so what if what if it didn't have to do all of that stuff? So that would mean that they it'd have, still be weaker. It would still be weaker. You think so? The hard, no, it's the hardware. The actual hardware is different. The actual, there's more computing units in the PS4 than the Xbox One. Uh, the GPU is one step higher up on the PS4 than the Xbox One, mm-hmm. and the RAM is a lot faster than the Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's a more unified RAM, so it has the developers can use it for whatever they want as well. So again, that gives an advantage over the Xbox One. You're right. You're right. But perhaps they wouldn't be facing these um, resolution and quality issues. And, and games, that, games. That resolution issue is mainly because of the RAM. There is only, I think, it's 32 meg of easy RAM inside the Xbox One. So they're gonna, they're having to try and filter in seven gigs worth, well, five gigs worth of RAM data into that 32 meg. It's, it's just, it causes so many issues. That is the main issue for the RAM. I don't see we'll see a huge upgrade in resolution this generation for the Xbox One, sadly, due to the design flaw. Well, I tried to give the Xbox One some hope, but our friend Ben here closed the door. (laughs) (laughs) Just slammed it shut, but that's okay. Yeah, Xbox One is less powerful. Um, That probably won't change, but, you know, optimization... It won't change. I mean, there's always the the redesigned console of each generation. 
they might add more stuff to it. They could, but there's probably they're probably not going to change the hardware very much because. Um, yeah, but there's still the cloud that they keep talking about, and until we see what that's going to be able to do for for the Xbox One, we can't really say it won't be on par with the PS4. The cloud. Do you remember when um, that episode we were talking about them marketing the cloud in Japan, and they pretty yeah. much just laughed at them? <laughs> so, the wrong market. Yeah, do they don't care about the cloud. We don't care about the cloud. We shouldn't care about the cloud. It's not for us. It's for the developers. Um, we have the cloud has nothing to do with us at all, as far as Xbox is concerned. Um, but anyway, the disconnected console. So who used that? Was it Dane that used that? Disconnected. Oh, I think it was Ernest. It was Ernest. It was Ernest. <laughs> The disconnected console will hit retail June 9th for $399 in North America, £349 in the UK. Um, GameStop's president, Tony Bartell, said, I definitely think we're already seeing in our stores with our reservation program, as well as the dialogue to power-up rewards, which is um, GameStop's loyalty rewards program, uh, that there's a stronger demand as a result of the price drop. So um, I guess the price drop is working. Congratulations, Xbox. You have... Uh, you have a little a little more hope here. Um, I wonder how many of these people actually know that it doesn't come with the Connect anymore. I don't know. You know, because I don't think it's very many people. They just hear the lower price drop, and all of a sudden, oh, now I can get an Xbox. And I don't think they know that it doesn't come with the Connect. I guarantee you, when people buy this console, they're going to be really pissed off that they can't watch their TV through the Xbox Connect, and the voice commands don't work. None of that works. Yeah. Yeah, I could see a lot of people being like, what? What's going on? I want my money back. I, 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 going to GameStop for so long, I know kind of how they are. They kind of like to talk about things, but they don't want to give you the details about them. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, like, most of these people going into GameStop trying to buy a game or talking to them, they're just going to, oh, did you hear the Xbox One got dropped by $100? They probably didn't even tell them it doesn't come with a Kinect anymore. Yeah, I could see that mm-hmm. in some cases. I could see that in some cases, and it's I don't I don't see a lot of marketing for it without the Connect yet. Um, in fact, I don't know how they would market it without the Connect. Like, exactly because now, now without was it was like pretty much half of the the marketing for that thing. Like right now, the thing just seems half as entertaining to me now. Yeah, so it's, so Person. how how do you market that? Is it like now without Connect? Now without the thing that we were touting so much over the past yeah, 12 I mean, months? <laughs> so just look at it. All of its features are pretty much stripped now. Yeah. Without the Connect, Connect was like seventy percent of all its features hmm. at this point. Yeah, that's pretty much. Huh? Yeah, By that's the way, what I meant earlier. Yeah. Go ahead, Ben. Oh, a small thing. You can use the uh, camera, well, a normal headset to voice chat with the, well, command the PS4. You do not need the camera, which will be nice if Microsoft will now be forced to do something like that with other headsets. So you'll still be able to do the voice commands without Connect. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess you won't be able to, like, show your QR code to your camera all the time. <laughs> you'll have to type <laughs> it in. Um, welcome to, welcome back to reality, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move forward here, but not too far. Um, Xbox One's controller will receive um, support for the PC pretty soon here. 
which I'm sure a lot of people are happy with. This is this is an interesting thing because when the DualShock 4 came out, you know, we were all like, ooh, ah, it's so comfortable and it's so cool. And, you know, this is the next big controller for the PC. But yet nothing's really happened for that. What's been does anyone know what's been going on with the DualShock 4 with PC? Um nothing. Sony hasn't released a driver for it. Sony and I don't think they plan to. That's very disappointing because they've and the only, naturally the only thing that it's worked with is um when you go to the Steam uh what's it called? Oh man. Not like the original Steam menu, but like the, the, the big picture mode. That's the only time that it just works natively with it. That's a shame. Because Sony Other had... than that, it hasn't worked with any game, except for Terra. Terra, the MMO Terra is the only game that it works with. Because apparently Terra is the only game that supports the PlayStation controller on the PC. Sony had <laughs> an opportunity here to become the default uh, controller for the PC gaming. Uh, for the for PC gaming and uh, that's that's a great way to drop the ball there, Sony. Like, what, what's going on? You you can't release a you can build the most powerful console ever created, but you can't release a driver for the controller. Come on, come on, you can do better. Hmm. Um, was I interrupting someone? I, I thought I heard someone trying to say something there. No, I was just going hmm, like that laughing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> gotcha. All right. Um, <laughs> okay. Can I, I'll, I'll add in something here then. Go for it. Uh, the reason why a lot of games don't support is because a lot of games support something called X input, which is standard for most games nowadays. While the PS4 uses a standard D input for when you just plug it in, it's uh, any standard control input. There's no, I don't think there's actually any. It's just Windows drivers automatically picking the controller up, and that's what causes a lot of games. But you can get, you can download an unofficial X. X input wrapper onto the your PC and use your DualShock Four on pretty much any game. But of course, right now that's unofficial. Mm, that's unofficial. But still, I'd imagine that. I mean, if a consumer can create an unofficial driver, then what stops Sony? Laziness. Yeah. Is it laziness, or is, laziness. is there some kind of <laughs> is there some kind of licensing with the input, or, or what's what's going? Is it just late? I, I I I don't know to be honest. I I don't know that much. Sorry. I, I don't know, I don't know what it takes to create a driver either. So. Um. Well, I did get to hold an Xbox One controller for the first time um, last week. And it felt really good. Um, Xbox controllers have always felt pretty good. Uh, and this one's no exception. I did have one thing about it that I absolutely despised, and that was the shoulder buttons. Um, all, uh, if, you have a, if you have a shoulder button, um, if you have a shoulder button, if you have a DualShock controller, uh, whether it's a DualShock 3 or a DualShock 4, pick it up and squeeze the L1 or the R1, the shoulder button. You feel that? It's nice and squishy, right? It's a button, it's got some depth to it, you press it inward, it, it goes in quite a bit, and it's really comfortable. If you press the Xbox One controller's shoulder buttons, it's extremely clicky, it's very shallow, um, it's like if you have a trackpad, um, if you have a laptop with a trackpad, click your trackpad button. It's sort of like that, except a little harder, even, and a little shallower. Um, I despise that, I just don't feel that for gaming, I don't think I can... like. 
if my fingers, if I'm holding it and my finger slips or something and I'm suddenly not holding it anymore, I might not realize that depending on the game. Like, it, if, I, if, if I'm holding my DualShock shoulder button, I know that I'm holding it because there's a lot of depth to it and I can tell I'm pressing it. But this, you just hear a, a really sharp click and it's really shallow. Hate that about that controller. Um, but anyway, for, for PC gamers, you're about to get a new controller. It looks like it's... Um, support for a new controller anyway. It looks like it's going to be the Xbox One. I'm disappointed that Sony hasn't been able to capitalize on this just yet. Um, anything else to add on this? I will take that as a no. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. All right. Um, so we've been talking about a lot of Xbox stuff. Let's talk about Drive Club. Um, Director Paul Ruschinski, uh, whose name I can never <laughs> pronounce. I don't know. That was awesome. <laughs> his name. His name looks Russian. Like, can you help me, Gary? I, I have to see it. I don't know. Or, or, let me let me copy and paste this to you. Just one second. Um, there you go. <laughs> That's his name. Rushchinsky. Rushchinsky. What? Wait, what was it? What was it, Gary? Rushchinsky. Rushchinsky. I was calling it When you say it like that, it makes sense. Because I'm looking at it, and I would never have gotten that. But now that you've said that, I can see the three parts. Director Paul Rushchinsky. Um, defended <laughs> defended microtransactions for Drive Club. Um, people look at microtransactions and free to play, and they're all like, oh, microtransactions, free to play, it's terrible." Um, but Paul Ruschinski, I'm going to practice saying that, says that it's not a, a bad idea. It says they said it's identical to more, um, Motor Storm RC's transactions, and it's going to be quote a non-issue. For, uh, for players. And the way Drive Club is going to use microtransactions is it's going to allow you to use real money to unlock cars faster than you would in standard gameplay. So instead of going around and racing and, and earning new cars, you can just buy some new cars. Um, I don't know if that's how it is for every car that you can possibly unlock. Uh, probably not. But um, for at least some cars, yeah, you're going to be able to use money to buy, um, to buy cars. Um, again, that is identical to MotorStorm RC, um, also developed by Evolution Studios, uh, in 2012 came out. Uh, Rashinsky said there are no complaints at all uh, about the game's use of real money payments, and in fact, people said, quote, that's a great way to access this content immediately. Um, so do you think that there is a problem here with Drive Club using microtransactions? Um, I don't think there's a problem with using microtransactions. I think it's a problem when one guy is going to buy the fastest car and destroy everybody in the first race and he can never win. That's the, yeah. to, to me, this is the equivalent of a cheat code. You just pay money for it at this point. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I, it's fine to have microtransactions, but I just think it's, I don't know. To me, the, the, it's hard for me to explain it. Right. Like I, if if you're gonna buy like end game content, then what is the point of 
playing through the game. Like the whole point of playing through the game is to unlock the stuff yourself. If you can just pay for it, you know, like what's the point of of starting from the beginning? Well, let me remind you real quick that Drive Club isn't your typical racing game. Uh, Drive Evolution has really been proud of the fact that they've broken away from this uh, mold of racing games where it's just be the fastest person on the track. Um, now you also have uh, different aspects to each race. Now there's drifting, and, like who can drift the best and who can do this the best and who can do that the best. There are, there are clubs, there are social clubs, and, and so there are many more different facets to, this kind, to, to racing with Drive Club. So do you think that that still applies to this kind of racing game? Um, I don't know, Burnout Paradise had all that stuff too. And you didn't have to pay a single penny for anything in that game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, to me, it just sounds like small little child. Oh, you can be the best drifter. That That's fine. I can just change the tires on my car and become the best drifter that way. But I don't know. To me, it's just like you, like you say those things and it just sounds like different game modes to me. Mm. What about, well, no, it's not different game modes because this is uh, real time during the race. Like a, a challenge. No, I know. A challenge but, but will pop up. Racing, and, why would I? Why would I want to have a drifting car if I'm in the middle of a race? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. You know? Like, I don't know how it's. <laughs> I, I want to answer that. I feel like I have a possible scenario for that, but there are other scenarios, and I think that's why I'm so interested in this game. Like, um, I, I don't know how they're gonna do it. I don't know how they've arranged it. Um, it could work out. Is all I can say. Um, but what about the, what about, uh, the, the rest of you, you two had some other stuff to say as well. Uh, Mike. Um, yeah, I think micro transactions, they can work as long as they're in like small quantities. I think they have to be monitored properly. Um, because especially in a racing game, I think like Gary said, if you can just like put down, I, I mean, I have no idea how much it would cost. So say put down like 100 quid for the best car and just thrash everyone. You know, obviously that's not exactly, um, I don't like saying this, it sounds very schoolyard fair, but, you know, it, it, it's, it, it removes kind of like the point of unlocking everything and playing the game and earning your, re- earning your rewards. I think with much, I think with racing games like Drive Club, if you, um, well, just, uh, just a quick question, can you um, upgrade your car and put new parts on it and all that kind of stuff? I don't actually know. I, well, I know that it's not exactly a simulator. Um, yeah. But I, I think that that's really more common with simulators than than anything. Yeah. But it's not. It's not an arcade I, game I, either. I, it has like aspects of both. So I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I, okay. I would well, say that. Use, a, Gran- sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, let's just use Gran Turismo as an example where you can cut out your car. I think microtransactions would be. I think there'd be. I think it'd be more balanced and um, work better if obviously you could just unlock extra bits and pieces for your car rather than maybe grinding on them, but not buying, but being able to buy the best car, I think is a little bit too far. If you ask me, I just, I don't know. I'm not really, I don't really think, no, I'm not, I'm not a fan of doing it that way. I think if you can just buy extra bits and pieces, just kind of like to augment your perch, like, like, like augment your car or whatever it is then maybe, rather than going the long way around and maybe grinding on it and that kind of thing. But I think if you're going to buy the car outright, I'm not, I, I think I'm, I'm with Gary on this one. I'm not quite really, I'm not really a fan of that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that's pretty much what I've got to say on it, at least, anyway. Ben? Uh, only thing I've got to say is, 
the reason why people didn't mind paying real money for cars in that uh, Motorstorm RC was because it was a nice small tile. It was cheap game. In fact, a lot of people got it for free. So, yeah, there was no issue with yeah. paying real money to unlock content because, well, if you pay £10 for a game and then pay, say, £2.50 for a load of cars, you're not going to complain, you know, especially if you're enjoying the game. But there's a difference between spending £10 on a game and 40, 40 to £50 on a game, you know. And I Quite think right. Uh, mentioning the fact that Motorstorm, yes, 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 it was a good deal, but that's that was that was not 40 quid. And yeah, you've got a scale based on what you said. But from what I can hear, the cars will only cost, won't cost more than a tenner for the best car. So it's not going to be hugely expensive anyway. But still, uh, well, I don't know. Drive Club is a racing game like we've never seen. I'm, I'm not just trying to hype Drive Club. It's literally very different from any racing game that's ever been created. And so. Um, Again, lots of facets to it, and I'm interested to see how it's arranged because I really have no way to defend or attack this game because I just don't know how they've arranged it. Um, listen to what Ruschinski had to say. Um, he said, the important thing... Oh, let me start from here. This is on GameSpot, by the way, if you want to check it out. Um, it says, the important thing about microtransactions is if they ever influence the game design or the progression, then yes, there could be a negative influence. But that's absolutely not what we've done with Drive Club. Progression is quick. You unlock cars rapidly. If you're part of a club, you get access to those things super quick. The proof will be when people play Drive Club. They'll see it's a non-issue when they get their hands on and start to play the game. It's not intrusive. It's almost invisible. It's something we actually kind of hide a bit. So um, I'm incur. I, I, this is probably why I'm um, having trouble attacking or defending the game because uh, I don't think these guys have the article in front of them. But um, I do know that microtransactions can work because I play Guild Wars, uh, Guild Wars Two. Um, that game, you buy it, you spend uh, however much it is right now, and then you don't have a subscri subscription fee. They continue to make money through their gem store, and in their gem store, they don't sell things that will impact your performance in the game. They sell things that, that are cosmetic or things um, that, you know, give you, like, a, a buff so you can craft endlessly or, or you can mine endlessly or, or things like that. But nothing that impacts the performance of the game. So I know microtransactions can work. Um, but I guess the question mark here is whether or not Ruschinski... Um, is really being accurate with how invisible micro uh, microtransactions are here. Um, I think this is a good segue into what Gary and Ben had to talk about. Um, we we like to dis we like to have rants from time to time on RDGH, and I don't know if this is still a rant. It may or may not be, but it has to do with uh, I guess something similar to this, right, Gary? Uh, it's, it's more of a discussion. A discussion? Anything. Okay. I love discussions. <laughs> I love discussions. Um, so what was what was your discussion about? Uh, my discussion is about pretty much uh, free-to-play versus pay-to-play versus buy-to-play. <laughs> Wait, I, guess, so I think there's three models now, isn't there? What's the difference between pay-to-play and buy-to-play? Uh, where you buy the game. 
you know, you still spend spend money to buy the game, mm-hmm. and then you can play pretty much what Guild Wars Two is. Oh, okay, okay, and yeah, then pay to, to play. The game, pay to play, play would be like a subscription. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've played through every type. You know, you know, I played Guild Wars Two. I played it with you for a little bit. You made fun of my character a lot. I did not. Um, liar. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I, I, I've, I've played pay-to-play. Okay. And then I've played free-to-play. And I think, personally, the best model is still pay-to-play. The subscription. The subscription. Why do yes. you say that? Because... Everything is, one, everything is already unlocked for you. Like Final Fantasy XIV, everything you need, you don't have to pay a single penny more for it. Because it's already there. It's all included in your subscription. Whereas, like, Guild Wars, it's fun and all, but you're still kind of hindered to a point where eventually you're going to have to spend real money in order to get more inventory space. In order to get more, more storage space through the bank. You know, it's to, to me. I, I would rather just have everything already for me, rather than have to spend more money to get it. Well, let me point out real quick that in Guild Wars Two, um, if you know how to make money in the game, you can actually buy gems, and, and gems gems are the um, currency that you buy with real money in Guild Wars Two. Um, you can yeah. you can buy gems with real money. You can buy a gem card, apply gems to your account. Or, if you know how to make money in the game, you can buy gems using gold in the game. You don't have to buy gems and get that extra space, bag space and stuff. You don't have to buy that with real yeah, money. Yeah, you have to go through such a long grind in order to do that. Well, um, I guess I've been shown a technique for making money in the game extremely recently, so I'm not rich in the game yet. Um, but it, I guess it's called flipping, and it's just... Hello? What was that? (laughs) (laughs) RDGH, can I help you? Um, (laughs) And it's just... um, Yeah, it's just a matter of managing the the trade post because Guild Wars kind of has its own economy. Uh, Guild Wars kind of has its own economy. So you have the trade post and you can buy things um, low. You can... um, People sell things on the trade post all the time, but you don't have to buy it for the cheapest price you see on the trade post. You can make an offer, and sometimes people just kind of want to get rid of things, and they'll sell it for a little less. So you can buy low and then sell it high again, and, and you don't have to grind or anything to do that. I have My friend who showed this to me ex- extremely recently, by the way, um, my friend who showed this to me has made like 800 gold uh, so far doing this. Um, I don't know how long he's been doing it, but he's made 800 gold so far doing this. He's saving up for the precursor for a legendary item because that's such a rare drop. And so um, he hasn't had to grind. Uh, He's just had to be smart and play the uh, economy a little bit. So I don't think that you have to... um, I don't think that you have to spend money in Guild Wars 2 uh, to get these things. I I think that there are ways around that. Are you you still on the phone? Who was that? Was that Gary? The phone? Yeah, that was me. Sorry, the phone <laughs> yeah. ring is right next to the speaker. <laughs> okay. Um, next caller. Um, what do you think? Like, I, I think that you don't have to um, 
if you know how to work the economy, you don't have to spend yeah, money. Yeah, but, but see, you have to learn how to work the economy. That You can't just do it through a regular progression. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm, you know, if I don't have time to play Guild Wars 2, like, every day, like a hardcore MMO player, you know, I'm eventually going to run out of inventory space. Like, you know, we played, I'm like, oh, I have four bags. <laughs> and then you're like, wow, your bags suck. Here's this one. Remember <laughs> you gave me, like, this cool bag. <laughs> But I can craft bags. That's the thing. I can craft yeah, bags. Yeah, but, but see, I, I'm not at that crafting level. I have to go grind in order to get the freaking materials to craft that stuff. Yeah, you, um, have, to craft, you have to craft your... For it. Um, you know, it's... it's but you know, can't, you can't buy bags. You can't buy bags with gems. You can only buy bags with gold. Yeah, I know. Uh, you can buy a bag slot. Is that what you mean? Yeah, well, either way, like what, and, and, like Guild Wars Two is is probably the best uh, buy to play game out there right now. I mean, I think I think you don't really need to spend real money in order to to do everything in that game, as long as you're okay with dropping stuff or selling stuff very easily instead of just hoarding a lot of items. So um, let me let me ask you this: Is it worth it? Because what you get with Drive Club is you've spent money on the game itself, and you do not have to pay 15 bucks a month after that. You don't. So yes. my question is, is it worth paying $15 every month um, as opposed to you know having a certain amount of bag space later? And then eventually, if and when you feel inclined to do so, you spend 10 bucks on some gems to get some more bag space. Well, it obviously depends on the prices. Um, like I said, with pay to, if, if you're doing pay-to-play, everything is already unlocked for you. Endgame content, you know, what, whatever you want, it's already there. Okay. Whereas in, in other games, it's just like you can, you can get to the end, but in order to keep up with everybody else, you have to start spending money. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and... Like, I guess Guild Wars. I'll, I'll, I guess Guild Wars Two is a bad example because they don't they don't do that. But a lot, I know what you mean with a yeah, lot of I guess other. Guild Wars Two is is probably the best example by to play. Mm-hmm. Like they, I think they nailed it perfectly. You know, you can still do everything. You know, the the the, the random. Uh, God, what are they called? Dynamic events. Yeah, dynamic events help a lot because they're always there. You can always go and do that. Even if you fail them, you still get credit for it. Mm-hmm. You know, you still get EXP. You still get all that stuff. Um, but other games, they just fail at it so bad, Yeah, you know, nowadays it just doesn't even feel like it's free to play anymore. Or like you're forced to spend money on the game now. Yeah. Like Ben Warframe. Let me ask you this, Ben. Um, <laughs> if you, if you didn't spend a single dollar, if you played the game free to play, like it is, how long would it have taken you to get all the stuff that you have now? If you didn't spend a single dollar. Oh, probably forever. Uh, let's just yeah, say you, if you're building you each, if you build each part individually, you're looking at twelve hours each part, uh, and then you need to build the warframe, which takes forty eight hours. Uh, there's your week gone already, just to make one warframe. Uh, ben, how much have you spent on warframe so far? Uh, two hundred and twenty pounds. Wait, two hundred twenty pounds? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to convert that to um, 
US dollars real quick. I've got to know. That's three hundred. About three hundred. About three hundred thirty dollars, I think. That's three hundred seventy dollars and twenty eight cents. You've almost. Ooh. You've almost bought another PS four. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just from you know, playing. Wouldn't that have been easier to just pay fifteen dollars a month and have all that stuff already easily available to you? Yeah. Guys, you know, since we're talking about this, I think it should be worth me mentioning about War Thunder as well, because I have also paid a lot of money on that. In fact, I've beaten Ben. I've paid, I've spent about £300 on War Thunder. I'm what? joking. And, <laughs> what? Yeah, no, seriously. Yeah, before you say anything as well, to answer, because um, I know you're going to be asking this, if I didn't spend a dime on that thing, or a penny, as it were, it would take me months to unlock the stuff that I have, because that game defines grinding to get anywhere on the tiers because you have like fighters fighter bombers and jets and all that kind of stuff if to get anywhere decent especially for some countries it would take you months and months serious you know and we're talking about playing the game every day you know getting a lot of decent because you uh, it all depends on your experience all depends on how many kills you get and everything whether it's ground targets or playing so even if you have several good matches you know like playing hours and hours a day would still take a hell of a long time. So, yeah, it, it, you know, what I've spent, I mean, I know it's a lot of money. Some would say an exorbitant amount of money. Mike, Mike listen. I know I do. You yeah? have, in the U.S., you've bought a day one edition Xbox One. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Crazy. But the, um, the thing is, you see, it's, I know that I don't have enough time to play that game to unlock that stuff. I know my gaming habits inside out. I know if I'd have enough time to contribute that, and I don't. So as much as you, even though you'll probably um, scoff at this, I do, it has been worth it for me because I've got everything I want, and I'm in, when I play the game, I've got all the planes I want, and I'm enjoying it immensely. So I've got to that level now. But, you know, I think it would be so much easier just to have a kind of, um, what were you saying, Gary, like have some sort of subscription and get every, uh, per month and have everything available to you, I think you said? Yeah. Because if it was like yeah. that, yeah, if it like if it was like that, it would be definitely much better. That of course would be better because I think it's you know I don't know how the guys do it who've got the highest tier planes. We're talking like um, the uh, Korean War era jets because it goes from like the early bi- you know the biplanes just after the First World War all the way through to the Korean War in the nineteen fifties. So you know people were flying like MiG fifteens and everything. Good Russian plane made of Stalingrad metal. Good plane. Uh, people were flying those. Um, They've overspent a hell of a lot of money, or they've been playing that game for hours and hours and hours every day. Now, I I'm a damn game journalist as well. Even if I wasn't and I didn't have any other game to play, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to put that amount of time in. But with my job as well, no, there's just been no way I'd be I'd be on that game for God knows how long to even get close to that. So in that sense, it was definitely worth it. Um, but I try not to think about it because it does sound quite ridiculous. But I'll tell you one thing though, that game has given me a lot of pleasure. It's it's been one of my it's one of my favourite games um of the last ten years, I'd say. And you have to remember as well that I love planes as well. I mean, I've been into them since I was a kid, so it's kind of like opened up that avenue for me again, because I haven't really dipped into that kind of thing for a long time. So I've really, really enjoyed it. So it gives me a lot of pleasure in more than just playing a game. It, it's done a lot, it's reignited an, an old interest of mine. So I'm happy. Uh, that was kind of longer than I wanted it to be, but yeah, I thought I, I, I definitely thought I had to um, uh, add my two pence on that. <laughs> two pence, I like it. No, that's oh, fine. That's fine. That's fine. And, and that's yeah. great. And 
if, if you love the game, then more power to you, man. That's great. But another reason why, that's why I spent so much money on Warframe, because I've put so many hours... I've put nearly 500 hours into the game already. You know, I've enjoyed Oops. the game so much that I, I, I don't feel like I've wasted money. Mm. Oh, I, that's good, man, yeah. Oh, I do want to add one thing, though, as it. well. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. Exactly. Go one on. thing I will add, though, is um, never again. Only that game. Seriously, you will not find me dropping... Uh, 300 quid on any other free-to-play game. That has been a complete one-off for me. I just want to state that. <laughs> and so you've been playing it since when? Since about since the um, since it launched on the PS4? About War Thunder? Yeah, yeah. It came, it was a launch title, I think. Um, wasn't it Ben a launch title War Thunder in EU? Yeah, it was a launch title for Europe. Okay, yeah. so so here's... yeah, so we're talking about yeah November. So here's why this business model is so attractive to people. Um, because if, if you have a subscription, it's like 15, 10, $15 a month, something like that. Whereas if you have this business model, if your game is addictive enough, then you are just yeah. dangling the carrot is what you're doing. People will play. It's like, Oh, I've got to get this. I'm addicted to this game. Um, over the past six months, this game's been around for about six months now. Uh, you've spent 50 pounds a month. About fifty pounds. If you if you take three hundred and divide it by six, you get fifty. So you've spent about fifty pounds a month, as opposed to uh, what would have been a significantly smaller subscription fee. Yikes! That's I guess that's the appeal of of this free to play model. Yeah. Uh, for businesses, but um, yeah. <laughs> thankfully, some developers have noticed. Oh, consumers hate this model, so. Uh, let's do something else. And, and so I guess that's why um, there have been many more uh, pay-to-play or buy-to-play games uh, than free-to-play uh, free games at the top of the heap there. Um, so yeah, like, uh, let, let me tell you an example. Like, I played DC Universe when it first came out. Right. I was in the beta and everything. It came out on the PS3 PC. I was playing it on the PS3. The game was $15 a month. And it was awesome because everything was there. Everything was unlocked. I mean, you win uh, once you finish the game, like the story mode, you go into, you know, the end game content, the raids and the hard awards, which are pretty much dungeons, four man dungeons. And you get marks uh, with, with a certain amount of marks. You can buy the tier one armors. And then I think they're like up to tier eight now, but it was fun. People were always helpful. Um, everybody was helping each other out. They're helping the noobs. Uh, they're telling everybody exactly how to get through the dungeon and everything. And then it goes free to play, right? All of a sudden, the community goes to crap because you got a bunch of free to play players in there. They start uh, buying hold, hold everything. On a so one all second. the hard work you went through, they already have on day one. One second. Why are free? What's wrong with free to play players? What's different about them? I think they just go into it because it's free to play, and they just start acting like complete douchers <laughs> to so, everybody yeah. else. Like they don't you help anything new. Like they start kicking you out of the awards and the raids right away if you've never done it before. Like they're just there's no help. There's nothing. They just it's, it it becomes really terrible. I'll give you an example. Uh, one of the expansions came out, uh, the Flashpoint Paradox, where they had like this. They introduced Central City, which is Flash's city. And I think that's the city. Um, no, Star, one of those, I don't remember. Star City, Central City, I don't remember. But in, in, in 
in this uh, DLC, they added uh, some more wanted characters. Wanted characters are like epic characters. Like you get the wanted poster, you go take them down, and you get a whole bunch of EXP for it. It takes like twenty people to kill some some sometimes one of these guys. Um, so they spawn right, and they spawn in random locations in the city. So whenever somebody finds them, they shout it out. You know, like oh, uh, Captain Cold spotted next to this police department station in Metropolis. So people would go, they'd meet up, and once enough people appeared, they'd all attack him. What happened once it the free-to-play players got into it, they'd see the shout, they'd go in, they'd hit him, run away, and then he'd disappear. Because once you engage in a fight, if you don't kill him, or he wipes everybody out, then they disappear and you gotta wait for them to respawn again. Right. And free-to-play players started doing this all the time. So they stopped shouting it out. And then, like, nobody would start doing these because nobody knew where they'd spawn. Like, four people, five people would go in and try to fight one of these guys, and it just became this terrible ordeal for everybody, you know? And it just, it really started pissing a lot of people off. And uh, from what I know, all my friends that played that game stopped playing that game, like, probably four or five months after it went free to play. Because they couldn't get any raids done. They couldn't get any awards done because everybody just started kicking you all the time. If you've never done it before, you can never get anything done. Whereas before, everybody would always welcome you in. You know, it's to me just became this horrible hassle. And it became this massive grind fest after that because you just couldn't find enough people to help you do anything because they didn't want to help lower level players out anymore. Because they went in and they bought everything. Whereas you went out and earned everything. And all of a sudden you think they're just better than you. And it just, it became this terrible order. Like, uh, if, you, if you're paid to play, you can still have a subscription in that game. You, you, they give you all the DLC, all the add-ons, everything for free. If you're, if you're paid to play, all the expansion packs, everything. Uh, but the biggest problem is the money. So right now I have $2 million right in that game um, that I can spend on in the auction house and stuff. Not real money, fake money. Um, <laughs> if you're not pay to play, your maximum amount of money you can have is $2,000, which will buy you nothing in that game anymore. Once you finish the story mode, like you can get through the story mode by yourself. Once you get to the end game content, you cannot buy a single thing. And there is no way you can increase that in, in free to play either. Like 2000 is all you get. So if you want somebody to buy you something, or if you need something high-tiered, you have to pay at least a month subscription in order to buy everything you need. Because all your money goes into the to the bank, into the game's bank, but you can't use it. The maximum you can carry on you is 2000 And if you want to buy something, you have to buy it with the money that's on you. Hmm. And you can't buy anything. So they completely screw you over that way. Free-to-play just became this terrible thing for that game in my opinion like yeah it increased their revenue i think they said the player count and amount of people playing it increased by two thousand percent or not to two hundred percent when it went free to play which is great for them i mean they're probably making a ton of money but for the people who who were there from the start pretty much kind of left now from what i've yeah it, it sounds like that business model just attracts the wrong kind of people um and I guess that once the wrong kind of people come, the right kind of people leave because the wrong kind of people are there. So um, 
I, I think if I wasn't convinced, I think if I wasn't convinced before, then you just kind of convinced me somehow. Um, which leads me to wonder, is there a scenario in which free to play can be done right? Um, I mean, Guild Wars was close, except for the fact that you have to buy it. So it's not exactly free to play yes. at all. Um, <laughs> but any, what about uh, you two, Mike and Ben? What, what do you have to say on this? What do you think about this? I want to say Final Fantasy uh, is my main example of this. It does prove that same mentality, even with Final Fantasy XIV, because the first month um, since the PS4 launch, there's been a lot more people at Endgame that are just incredibly bad or just don't communicate at all because they've only, been, they've only just bought it. They, they're doing their 33 days for free, and then they're going to stop as soon as that's over, probably. So you see people just rushing through the game, not actually paying attention to any of the mechanics and just not doing their jobs correctly. You, know, you might see a healer not even bothering to heal. They might just sit around and run around for a bit, which, yeah, it's, yeah, it's frustrating sometimes. Um, but I do agree that I, I prefer the monthly subscription model over the free-to-play or even the buy-to-play. So, um... But I want to add that let, carry on. let me ask, if you had, uh, well, you haven't played this game, so um, I guess Gary would be more equipped to answer this, but you can too. Um, if you had a choice between a pay-to-play game with a monthly subscription fee of like $15 and a buy-to-play game with the same quality as Guild Wars 2, do you, uh, which would you prefer to see? It depends on the quality of that pay-to-play oh. game. If it's something like Pharmacy 14 where I know I'm going to get huge major patches every couple of months, then I would rather pay for the monthly fee and know that I'm going to get the content for certain. Um, well, next month we're getting two new hard dungeons, a, two, a new extreme fight, a new hard primal fight, more expansions to the companion system, more emotes, more of the side quest, more of the storyline, all in one, in one patch. Uh, and then we're going to get a smaller patch just before that, which increases our weapons even more, gives us some more content to do, gives us, a, and then the next one expands Crystal Tower. That's a lot of content that I'm willing, you know, I'm happy to pay the monthly fee if the content's there for that fee. Um... Well, that's why I, I guess that's why I said that uh, Gary would probably be better equipped to answer it. Because with Guild Wars, you get new content every couple weeks, but um, not every game's going to do that. So I guess um, what you're saying is, as long as the content is there, um, then you might consider buy to play, but you would still prefer pay to play if you know for a fact that you're getting that content. Is that right? Yeah, like yeah, pretty much. There are some really good examples of games that do it right. Guild Wars 2 is a good example of a game that's doing it right with the buy-to-play. Um, the Secret World, if you guys heard of that, uh, it was a pay-to-play, it went free-to-play. Yeah. Um, community went to crap after it went free-to-play, just like DC did. But a lot of the players, the, the, the veteran players, are still there because I think the reason that, that that game appeals to them still is because there isn't a leveling system it's all skill-based, so you, you earn skills, uh, you get points to buy new skills, you can create whatever character you want, and I think that still appeals to a lot of players um, for that game. You know, in, in my opinion, that game also does it 
right as well because everything you want to pay for with real money is all cosmetic stuff. It doesn't enhance your characters. It doesn't do anything. Right? There's potions that give you like a 50% boost to unlocking skills. But other than that, there's really nothing there. Uh, there's there's the, the, the add-ons, like the, the extra content add-ons. Uh, I think they're like $10. Uh, you get... You know, uh, they're kind of like comic books where they, they just continue on with the story or give you a bunch of side stories. Um, you can buy that for $10 or you can do the, the subscription. It still has a subscription. If you choose to do it, you get everything for free that way. Um, there's another free-to-play game, just straight-up free-to-play game called uh, Raider Z, if you guys have heard of that one. That one probably does free-to-play the best that I have seen. Um, because it allows you to get through the entire game, like the entire story up until the end game stuff without having to spend a single dollar on the game. Um, you can still do like all the raids, like the end game content without having to spend money. It just will take you a little longer. But the community there was really yeah. good when I played that game. Um, but other than that, like just small shining examples of companies that do a right and then other companies that just completely take advantage of the pay-to-play system. Like mobile phones, mobile mobile games are probably the worst when it comes to free-to-play stuff. It, like For those who haven't bought or haven't played a mobile game all the way to the end, then you probably don't know. Like Most of the, the mobile games that you buy, uh, you, you get everything, you can get through the game just fine, but... The ones that are free to play, you probably won't even get past the first two levels without then having to spend money on the game. Okay. Um, my friend gave me a perfect example. Um, he's a brony. Uh, he will, he's in love with my little brony. Um, I give him crap oh for it all the time. But there is a, a mobile game that came out, uh, my little pony mobile game. It was like a farming simulator type game where you, you know you build a house, uh, you build like the, your own town and all that stuff. But eventually he started seeing that it was getting a lot harder to do everything, even to complete the story mode in that game. Um, you get like 10 gems a day. Uh, you can buy more, of course, but what ended up happening is uh, he kind of stopped playing and he hooked online to see how, you know, if there's a faster way to do this. And I guess there was a guy who went in and he calculated specifically for that game how long it would take him to finish the game and unlock everything without spending any money on it. Uh, it would take him 25 years Wow! to get everything. 25 years without <laughs> spending a single dollar. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> yeah. Imagine, imagine that. Ten, and imagine I guess he's not going to do it. Go ahead, uh, Ben. Carry on. I can say, imagine telling that to your kids. Yeah. 25 years ago, I started this game. I finally beaten it. You might have finished college, past university. You all got wives and kids now, but I finally finished my little pony game. Yeah, that's right, because you can, you can have a kid and get him through every year of school up through his bachelor's degree in college before you finish that game. That's ridiculous. Absolutely. Yeah, I, um, and I guess he's not going to do it to, he's going to go calculate other games yeah. as well. Uh, right now, EA is probably the worst at it. Uh, do you guys know a game called Peggle? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
that game uh, on mobile markets, you can buy it, play it all you want. Right now, EA is soon to remove the buy version and release the free-to-play version where you have to buy extra lives, you have to buy stuff to get to the next levels, buy difficulty, all that stuff. Okay. And people are outraged about that because why would you remove that version and give us the free-to-play version? Why not just give us both? Um, Mike, you were trying to say something. Yeah, I was just... um... I don't have much experience with free-to-play, obviously, apart from Warfront. But I was just going to say, um, Gary, um, you've um, was it you who reviewed Tekken Revolution? Because that's a free-to-play game. Well, you did a feature on it or something. Am I right? Uh, I didn't do a feature on it. I did talk about it, though. I couldn't remember who did a feature yeah, on it. Someone did it. Anyway, what do you think of it? Um, I don't like it at all, honestly. <laughs> um, they right, they give come? all the characters that... You start off with, like, four characters, I think. None of them that I, I play with. Um, yeah. and you pretty much have to, it's online only, I believe. So you have to go in and fight people online yeah. and eventually you'll start yeah. unlocking the other characters <laughs> uh-huh. or you can oh, spend right. money to it buy. Like- and, and, yeah. The problem is you can only do it for a certain amount of matches until you have to wait a day to refill your points in order to fight online again. All right. Yeah. yeah. Or you can spend oh, money okay. to buy just, more just points. Stuff. all right um for for the sake of time um let's move forward a little bit here but uh free to play and and buy to play and and pay to play uh have been very controversial subjects in gaming for years now and well here's hoping it gets a little better um guys i wanted to talk to you about e3 it's just around the corner and um, oh, yeah. we're, we're expecting a lot. This is a very important E3, especially for Microsoft and Sony, and for that matter, Nintendo. Uh, we talked not too long ago about how Nintendo is planning to use Nintendo Direct this year instead of being there live. Um, but yeah. it, it's especially big for Microsoft and Sony, who are at the, the top of the food chain right now, I guess for lack of a better term. It's probably not even the right term to use. I'm sorry. Um <laughs> But they're in the middle of this absolutely ridiculous fanboy battle, which I hate. Listen to episode 8 for more on that. Um, And so now PlayStation 4 is in this position where it sold 7, probably by now around 7.5 million units to consumers in consumers' hands. Last we heard from Xbox One, 5 million units have been moved, um, given to retailers. And we've also heard... stories about, you know, a bunch of stuff being, a bunch of units just still sitting on shelves. Um, I think Amazon, you can still get a day one edition on Amazon for $500 with the Kinect and the little day one edition printed on the controller and all that good stuff. Um, Not that it's not selling well. Again, four million or or however many millions they've sold is a absolutely fantastic number. We haven't seen numbers like this in consoles in forever. Um, So... This is a big show for not only PlayStation, but Microsoft as well, because this is the show where these two companies say to their consumers, you made the right choice by buying our console. Um, Look how much content we have coming your way. Because now, in addition to the price drop, um, some great content is something that could really help Xbox out uh, to get them on par. And and before I open the floor to um, these other guys, I'd just like to say... If you're a PlayStation fan, 
yes, you'll want Xbox to do well here, okay? Because look at what Sony um, was doing back in 2006. Um, if it weren't for Xbox, we would have all either paid $600 for our PS3s or simply not bought one. And as a result, gaming probably wouldn't be where it is right now. Okay, because we would have just had one company doing all of this. We probably would have had far fewer sales, far less money going into it um, than ever before. And so it probably wouldn't be as big as it is right now. Um, on the same token, look at what Microsoft was doing just last year. If it weren't for Sony and for PlayStation, we would not have an Xbox that is so competitive. We would, um, we would have all paid $500 for a, a, a DRM machine, I suppose people like to call it, um, we would have paid to not be able to share games with our friends or to be able to share very small pieces of games with our friends um, uh, as, on Microsoft's win. And we would all be praying that if our internet ever went down, it would come back up before a day had passed. Otherwise, we would simply not be able to use our game consoles. Okay, That's where we would be if it weren't for PlayStation. It's competition that drives this industry. It's competition that makes these devices better for us. So I want you, if you are a PlayStation fan, I want you to watch E3, preferably at PSU.com. Um, I would like you to watch E3, and I want you to cheer for Xbox. I want you to cheer for it. Not, you don't have to cheer for it as loudly as you cheer for PlayStation. I, I'll be cheering for PlayStation louder than anybody, believe me. Um, but you you want Xbox to do well. You want them to bring more content to the Xbox. Because A, that is what makes PlayStation fight harder. PlayStation has a lot on the line. Sony um, has been in some financial trouble. They need PlayStation to succeed. So this competition is what is making Sony go out and... and sign that final contract with X or Y big-time developer to get their content onto the PS4 uh, for you. So Xbox doing well means you get a better PlayStation 4. By the same token, if you're an Xbox fan, I want you to watch E3 and I want you to cheer for PlayStation. Again, you don't have to cheer for PlayStation um, as loud as you cheer for Xbox, but PlayStation doing well in the exact same way means you get a better Xbox One. And if you're open enough to do so, which you should be, you would have something better on the other side, too, if you ever decide to buy the opposite console. Um, all of that said, guys, E3 is a big deal. Um, what do you think is going to happen at E3? Who do you think is going to come out on top? Uh, what do you think is going to be announced? Let's open the floor here. Uh, who? Let's start with Mike. What do you think is going to happen at E3? Um, I think um, Sony are going to have... Um the best show, I reckon. Um, well, not the best, but I reckon they're definitely going to um, be the one to beat, I think. Uh, Nintendo, um, I don't know what the hell they're doing there. Um, <laughs> I know they're doing their Nintendo Direct thing now, but it's disappointing, man. I think they need to get Reggie back on stage, strutting his stuff, because everyone loves Reggie, you know, with all those crazy things he says and all the prom the uh, live demos and stuff they do, like the Zelda Twilight Princess. That was a good laugh when we Wi-Fi kept messing up. You know, they need to... I really think they need to connect with their audience better. And by doing that, um, doing Nintendo Direct, I don't think it's... They, they kind of miss out on that, I think. I, I can't, I'm quite surprised they're not um, doing a proper concert, uh, concert, a proper um, conference <laughs> again for the second year running. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, so um, Microsoft, I think it, so it probably come down to Microsoft, you know, obviously Microsoft and Sony. And I think from what we've heard, because obviously nothing's confirmed, but what we've heard, Sony is going to have a fantastic lineup. They'd like to have a um, Uncharted 4 live demo, plenty of new IPs. Um, they'll probably have some new PS Vita stuff there as well. But I think it's, it, this show is going to be all about PS4. And it's going to, it's the first E3 uh, the PS, PS4 will have when it's available on the market. Obviously, this time last year it wasn't out yet. So they're going to come out all guns blazing. Um, I don't know what Microsoft have got up their sleeve, but again, according to rumours, they'd like to have, um, I think there's going to be a new, uh, I think there's meant to be a Master Chief collection, like with Halo 1, 2, 3, and 4. There's going to be, um, what, oh, what's that, Sunset Overdrive, I think, from Insomniac Games. Mm-hmm. Been, um, I haven't really read into Microsoft much for obvious reasons, but um, I, I think Sony is definitely going to have a fantastic show. I am. Um, uh, there's been rumours about Resident Evil 7 as well and things like that. I'm not really sure about those. But first party-wise, I think this is going to be one of the strongest we've seen in years. And um, I think we may have a chance of seeing stuff like The Last Guardian, if rumours are to be believed. But, you know, either way, this is going to be a fantastic show, I think. And I reckon Microsoft are going to have to really um, pull something out of the bag to beat Sony. But like you said, I want them to do well as well. Because how you know I'm gonna be I'm a future customer as well, so I want them to do well. Exactly. Um, but yeah, um, that's what I think anyway. So I have two questions. Um, one about the Nintendo Direct thing, which we yeah. talked about. We actually talked about that a couple uh, weeks ago, I think. Um, is it possible to market? Is it possible to sell these and to make people care about these uh, games um, when you're using video as opposed to being there live? Is it possible to to sell these things as well? Not as well, I don't think. I think there's only so much you can do with a pre-recorded segment that it's lacking that kind of spontaneous kind of human connection, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, you know, I hope, I, I hope, I, I hope that made sense. Um, yeah. I think you can definitely, um, with a with a video, I mean, obviously you can um, make sure everything's in place and there's going to, obviously there won't be any hiccups and errors and, and things like that, but... I think um, there's just something raw and um, it misses the kind of gritty, kind of raw connection that you have with a press conference. So I, I personally don't think, as a customer, from purely from a customer point of view, I don't think there is good. I think Nintendo did a much better job when they were out on stage. And Reggie, it's not just like any old company. I mean, they've got Reggie there. And obviously Reggie, Reggie Fizeme is a very popular guy. You know, he's done some really, he, he's been responsible people say since the mid 2000s for kind of like reinvigorating um nintendo's kind of um the opinion of the public opinion of nintendo as far as like you know as a company and e3 goes so i think they're missing out on the trick with that and to be honest considering the wii u isn't really doing that great at the moment i mean i've got nothing against the console i want to get one one day but it's not doing that great it hasn't definitely hasn't done as well as they would have hoped or anyone has hoped for that matter and I think they really need to, instead of doing these kind of short, concise kind of segments, they re- I think they really need to get out on stage and demo these things to the public. I really think I think they're missing the trick, because this year is crucial for Wii U. It really is. So, um, no, I don't think it's a good... I don't think it's, a, um, it's good, definitely not, especially considering um, how the, the kind of a state the Wii U is in, I think it's a mistake. Although, but that's just my opinion. Although I believe it was Gary who brought up the fact that they really don't have very much to demo anymore, do they? Because um, I mean, they have well, Super they, Smash Brothers, but they did that last year, I think. Well, they didn't demo it last year, but they announced it last year. And um, yeah, well, I think 
because, like I said, this year is so important, I think they would bring out all the stops. I, I almost certain there's going to be... I, I would have thought they'd talk about the new Zelda and show something, even if it's just a trailer. Smash Brothers would definitely, definitely be a stage demo because they've got... Um, the release date is later this year. And, you know, it's not just for Wii U as well. It's already got things for the 3DS as well. But I'm sure they've got some other stuff as well. Not just existing franchises but they might have some new ip to show off and you know there's things like metroid as well which haven't been um, seen for a while but i'm sure if they obviously it just depends if they got these games in the works which i would have thought they would but if they've got any sense they will have those killer games on the way in which case they definitely need to demo them um but you know maybe you're right maybe they don't have all that much to show you know maybe it would just come down to a a quick demo a quick trailer of zelda or maybe a smash brothers demo but I would have thought they'd have something in a pipeline, you know. Some there's yeah. plenty, there's loads of old franchises. Ideally, they'd have F Zero, Kid Icarus, Star Fox. You know, bring back all those classic franchises. But you know, they've been very reluctant to do that um, in the last few years. I mean, the hell, the Wii didn't even get a proper um, Star Fox game or um, an F Zero, so they skipped a whole generation with that. So I, I don't really, really don't know what they're trying to do at the moment. Yeah. For all I know, for all I know, they'd do another flipping Wii Fit or something. <laughs> So here's a question for everyone as well. Um, Xbox, uh, we've, we've been seeing a lot of problems with Xbox and their software in that um, we have developers who have made exclusive deals with um, Xbox. And, and I'm pointing right at EA, um, who, who made an exclusive deal with Xbox as far as consoles are concerned for Titanfall. And then came back later and said, well, hey, you know, we messed out on up to 7 million units in sales um, by sticking with this deal with Xbox. We kind of regret that now. So with that in mind, do you think it's been harder for Xbox One to find exclusive deals with other companies? Do you think that they will have a sufficient enough exclusive lineup to announce at E3 um, or around E3 to compete with that of the PlayStation 4? Um, I, I actually, I think someone else should take this one first of all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see why why they couldn't. I mean, they have Quantum Break that they're going to show, which is kind of that half TV show. They're doing half game from Remedy. Um, obviously, yeah. Sunset Overdrive. I think they're going to have a long demo for that one. Uh, the Halo Collection, of course, I'm pretty sure is going to get announced. I'm actually kind of intrigued by that because apparently ODST is not included in it. I don't know why, but, um, yeah, it's oh, a master okay. cheap collection. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, obviously they'll, they'll do something with Halo. I don't think they'll show a demo or any actual gameplay footage of it. I, I don't think they're ready for that. Um, obviously there's the rumors now that they have acquired another third party exclusive title. That's going to be shown at E3. Apparently, it's a huge title. Uh, they don't know what it is. All things are pointing to Resident Evil Seven. I don't. To me, wow. that's weird because I don't think Resident Evil Seven is, is. I don't think Resident Evil is is really as big as Microsoft thinks it is anymore, at least. Um, especially no, not with after how. Six. Yeah, not after six. Uh, you, you kind of saw the downfall starting with five, and then. It went really bad with six, so they must have a lot of faith in in Resident Evil Seven. If it is that game that is that people are talking about, that's rumored to be exclusive to Xbox One. But with Capcom's track record, I'm pretty sure eventually it'll come to PS4 anyway. Now the games, that, <coughs> the games that you mentioned, the Quantum Break, the um, uh, Sunset Overdrive, all of these are exclusive deals that have already been made. 
since the beginning of all of this. Um, what about new exclusives? Do you think that they could have problems there? Um, uh, from first party or third party perspective? From a third, because first party, of course, they're not going to have a problem with making first party games. But um, I mean, third party is it pop? Is it going to be easy for them in the future to get exclusive games? I think it, with enough money, it's always possible. But um, I, I think like Microsoft themselves themselves said that Titanfall is probably the last third party exclusive you'll see. Um, but I don't know, like, uh, again, like if the money is there, it's possible. I'm pretty sure any developer will take a certain amount of money to, to have something specifically for that console. But eventually I think like, it, it can be exclusive for a certain time, but eventually it's going to come to all the consoles. Uh, I always saw the PS4 in that regard. I don't think Microsoft really has, I think third-party developers and publishers have the luxury anymore with only going with one console because they need to make as much money as they can, and yeah. you're just not going to do that on one console. Okay, so... Especially um, with how expensive games yeah. are now. Exactly. Um, so for the rest of you, um, do you have an answer to those questions, or, or do you have an idea of what might happen at E3? I think, like Mike said, I think Sony will, will still win out at E3. I think Uncharted 4 is going to have a fantastic showing. Um, the Last Guardian, I, I do think it'll be there. I But my problem with The Last Guardian is everybody keeps talking about The Last Guardian, but in my opinion, it's not really a game that's going to sell the system. I mean, it's, it's not from a team that is super well-known. Yeah, they've created two phenomenal games in Eco and Shadow of the Colossus, but they're not exactly five ten million dollar sellers, so now it'll be that, nice yeah. to still ask. With that but game, I don't think though, I think that game is going to be a big letdown, and, and here's why: there's so much hype behind it. We've been waiting for this game for years, and so when it finally mm -hmm. comes out, expectations are going to be through the roof. And when that happens, it's usually difficult to meet those expectations. So I feel like no matter what they do at this point, the game's going to be a letdown. Yeah. I think I, I think Sony will once again do the whole exclusive DLC for a few months. Um, I'm pretty sure they're going to get the D exclusive DLC for Arkham Knight, the Batman Arkham Knight. They seem to have a good relationship with Warner Brothers there. Um, but when it comes to titles, I think Sony kind of lost out on not getting the exclusivity to Final Fantasy XV or Kingdom Hearts Three. I think that could have been a massive, massive third-party exclusives to have, especially Kingdom Hearts 3. But um, from third-party, I just don't see anything being exclusive anymore, Yeah, personally. Outside of DLC stuff, games, not really. On Nintendo, uh, I don't know if we talked about it, but Nintendo has announced that they are doing their own Skylanders-type thing where they have their own little figures now that they're going to be releasing soon. Figures? Um, like, what, action figures? Like, you scan them and the characters appear in-game. Oh. Like, Skylanders and Infinity now. Um, which I think is a great idea, but I don't think they actually have a game with it. They're going to do it for other games. I know they've already announced that it's going to uh, Smash Brothers on the Wii U. We talked about what is the Wii U version going to have that's different from the 3DS one. This is one of those things where 
you'll be able to scan these things and they'll do something in the game. They don't know yet whether they're support attacks or random item pickups or even DLC characters that eventually will come out for the game. Uh, Smash Brothers has been confirmed to be the first game that's going to use these this, these figurines now. So, yeah, I again, I think Nintendo definitely has a huge hill to climb, but even though they're in a bad spot, they have been in these bad spots before, and yeah. they always find a way out. So, Mike, uh, but what, definitely not. I to, uh. Yeah, sorry, not having an actual show for them at E three, I think is is just is bad. And just like Mike said, they need to be there. They need to communicate with people, you know, face to face, firsthand, not through a video, you know. I feel bad for Nintendo, Gary, because I can see there being a lot of bad press about that Smash thing closer to release, depending on how they do it. I can see a lot of people sort of just complain, say this, even if it is completely useless. I can see a lot of people using it as a way to back mouth Nintendo again and say pay to win or something like that if it includes item drops for online. You know, if you have to buy the same figure to yeah. get certain power-ups online, I can see a lot of people going, oh, well, that's, yeah. Nintendo's yeah. gonna have to keep a you know smart with this system. Well, unless unless the figure yeah. is once you scan it and everybody has access to the item that drops, like it's not exclusively yeah. to the person who has the figure in. I can see that one. The problem with that again, the problem with that system you know, is they'll have less sales because there'll be less reason to buy the figures. I think it's a good idea. It's, I think I think it's a good idea. I think it would be a great idea. But I think they're gonna have to. I think it would have been a great idea for them to do a straight-up Pokemon game like that. <laughs> you know, we, t- we keep talking oh, about yeah. the Pokemon MMO, and here is this thing right here, which is, like, the perfect opportunity. There's, what, set over 700 Pokemon? Release over 700 figures and go yeah. do battle with these figures if you have them. <laughs> Hell, even make more money Genius and make idea. it so that the figures come in a little poke. <laughs> make it more money. Make it so the figures come in a Pokeball and you don't know which one's in each figure. In each Pokeball. There you go. Like 3D Pokemon cards. Oh, yes. <laughs> Amazing. Right. I used to, uh, what you do, you know they had a system for the uh, Game Boy where you could scan in Pokemon cards if you had the camera to unlock certain things. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I think uh, Nintendo has all the tools, they just don't know how to use them. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, it's, oh, had something else, Ben? No, I was going to say they had, it was called the E Series trading cards. Uh, they were normal Pokemon trading cards, but they had a little bit of a different print at the bottom using special ink, and you had to scan them in. And they, I can't remember, they just don't like little animations on the Game Boy. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um, they're getting really innovative with the, um, or they're trying to get really innovative with handhelds. They've been uh, both Sony and Nintendo have been toying with AR, augmented reality, for handhelds for a while now. Um, but it hasn't really gone anywhere, which is kind of disappointing. Um, you know, do you know those AR cards? Uh, you guys have Vitas, right? Yeah. You know, yep. the, you know That's those, a silly question. <laughs> you know those <laughs> AR cards that come with it, and it just has like this weird pattern on it. And when you when you play a game and you point your Vita at it, that pattern turns into something in the game. And um, Nintendo has them too. My 3DS came with them, which is pretty awesome. And I've just been kind of hoping that this would kind of grow. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that it hasn't so far. 
So my Twitter's not loading. I've been waiting for my Twitter to load. I'm using TweetDeck on Mac. I've been waiting for it to load so I can see if any tweets have come in. Um, oh, here it goes. I'll, I'll give that a chance to finish up while I turn to iTunes. Um, I'm so excited because we have a review on iTunes. This one's from Theo Seraph, 1985. It says, first episode, Racial Diversity Gaming Hour. Great podcast on games as well as diversity and the role it plays in gaming. As the title implies, my first episode was diversity in gaming that echoed all my sentiments. Uh, so thank you for that, uh, Theo Seraph. Thank you for reviewing us. Um, we're excited to have you on board. Keep listening, man. We will, we will keep bringing it as much as we can. As far as Twitter goes, I don't see anything new. Do follow us on Twitter. We are at RDGHPSU. Um, that's RDGHPSU. If you have an opinion, if you think you know what's going to happen at E3, if you agree with us, if you disagree with us, uh, find us on Twitter and um, just tweet with the hashtag RDGH or mention this. Um, and we will read your tweets on the air next week. Uh, we'll bring up these things again. And um, we will report what you have to say. Uh, because this show is for you and we want you to be part of it. Follow us on iTunes as well. Subscribe to us on iTunes. We are there. And you can get both of our amazing podcasts, both RDGH and, of course, uh, PlayStation Unchained, if you're a PlayStation fan, downloaded to all of your iThings automatically. Of course, don't forget to watch E3. It's going to be an awesome show, whatever console you love. Visit us at PSU.com. We will have E3 there. So definitely get on that and, and tweet us what you think. Tweet us what you think about the show. We'll talk about it. If, if, you, if you watch E3, actually, just... Uh, Tweet what you think about E3 with hashtag RDGH, and, and we'll talk about it. If for some reason we don't read your tweet on the air, uh, Twitter's been a little weird with with my hashtag searches. If I miss you, just send me a quick email, glenn.gordon at psu.com, and, and we'll sort that out. We'll, we'll read your tweet on the air. So I, I apologize if we happen to miss you, uh, but for some reason my search thing doesn't always give me all the RDGH tweets uh, sometimes, I don't know. Um, but I'll work to fix that. In the meantime, our, our, our newcomer first, Muscles from Brussels, Mike. <laughs> How can people reach you, man? How can people reach uh, you? They can reach me by PSU email at uh, mike.harris at psu.com. Oh, what about your Twitter? Oh, yeah, you don't have one. <laughs> no, I don't have Twitter. <laughs> we've been we've been trying to get this guy on Twitter for forever. Um, how about you, Gary? How I have got Shahid Ahmad. Freaking Shahid Ahmad from Sony told this guy to get on Twitter, and he hasn't jumped on it yet. He's going to be very disappointed in you, Mike. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's forgot, to be honest. <laughs> I'm sure he's probably forgotten. Um, until we remind him. But um, maybe talk to him and ask him. Yeah, go ahead. Ben knows that. Ben was at his house for dinner last night. You know, uh, he just knows everybody. <laughs> um, Gary, how about you? How can people reach you? Uh, they can reach me at the email gary at psu.com. That's G-A-R-R-I. Or you can reach me on Twitter at G-A-G-L-A-U-S-H. That's Gaglaush. Gaglaush. How many Twitter followers do you have, Gary? Uh, the same as I had last week. Wait, what? How many did you have last week? <laughs> 68. 68? You're so close to 70. Dude, follow... But to be honest, 
to be honest, I haven't really posted that much on Twitter over the last two weeks. Oh, you haven't? Okay, okay. So is your is your contest thing still going? Your giveaway? Yes, it's going to go until I reach 100. It's going to go until you reach 100. So follow at Gaglaoush, okay? And listen, don't don't try and fake it. Don't make a bunch of ridiculous accounts and, and follow him. But you, your account that you use, follow Gaglaoush. And once he gets to 100, he will buy someone, some lucky person, a game of his or her choice. Uh, so definitely follow him. Ben, how can people reach you, sir? You can contact me at chili underscore UK or ben.shillabehall at psu.com. All right. And that's every. Wait, no, that's not everyone. There's me. Um, if you want to reach me, you can. I will not bite you, I promise, especially since it's the internet. I can't even reach you. At goglen underscore on Twitter, at G-O-G-L-E-N-N underscore on Twitter. Or you can email me, um, like the rest of these guys, I have a lovely PSU email address. It's glenn.gordon at psu.com. Again, if I forget to read your tweet or if I don't see it, uh, send me a quick email. I'll sort that out immediately. I forgot to mention this as well. If you leave a review for us on iTunes, just like our friend Theo Seraph1985, we will read it on the air next week. And until next week, uh, thank you for listening Tune in next time for another great episode of the Racial Diversity Gaming Hour. And until then, we wish you a great week, great gaming, and as always, don't be a racist. Hashtag believe in Gaza. Hashtag believe in in Gaza. Okay. Watch, listen to Unchained to, to get that reference. We'll see you next week, guys.